welcome to Malkia Talks, a Wheel of Time theory podcast. This time it is not theory filled. It's not even spoiler filled. It's spoiler free up until chapter 18 of the Eye of the World because it's null and, and that's where he is in the books. So, um, null, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good uh, phrase that I can use as an introduction. Do we need? Do we need? How do we need to do that? We haven't done that, have we? So um... no, we, we don't. But I, I'm just trying to work out whether it's how do or howdy or or what. Mm, I don't know. How do howdy? They're both good options. So uh, we'll just maybe we'll try them out over the next few episodes and uh, figure it out. So, but howdy is what I'm going with today. Howdy, mate. How are you? So well, yeah. how do? How do? <laughs> You're on a bit of time off at the moment, aren't you, mate? I am indeed. Uh, chilling, relaxing, relaxing, shooting some... Pull out. Some, yeah, there we go. Whatever it is, yep. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, it's good to... Uh, to I, say, I would say see you, but it's hear you, as the case is. Um, because I, I don't see you anymore at work. I abandoned you. And you Yeah, and now you we... escape. I, I did escape, yes. <laughs> And I feel like you escaped Sauron's grasp, to be honest with you. Yes, I'm very much. Um, I, I took the boat over to the with the elves, and I have definitely escaped. Um, and I have left you at the Black Gate, basically. Is it? Uh, maybe it's not quite that bad. Yeah, no, don't lie to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you messaged me and said about your week, you were like, don't fucking tell me about your week because I'm sure it's been really cruisy. And I was like, yeah, okay, I won't tell you. I'll finish at three o'clock today, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's good to good to talk to you guys. And we do have people listening. Uh, so Nell and I do this uh, in my Discord server. Uh, it's normally at a time that's convenient to us, based in the UK. Um Usually in the afternoon, because both of us like to sleep in a bit. But uh, yeah, typically it's just the two of us in here in the void section of my Discord server. But today we have a couple of people listening in. So hello, live listeners. Uh, Emmeline and Norm. It's good to have you hanging about. Um, I think the only other people listening to us has been... Zool's the only other person that's jumped in a CS before, isn't it? Uh, so it's, it's nice to have some new Discord icons in the chat, I suppose, is the best way to describe that. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, let's crack into chapter 18. Uh, that's where we're up to in our recordings, uh, despite the fact me telling people we're on chapter 17. I just haven't released that episode, so I need to fix that. But yeah, chapter 18, we are on the Camelin Road. So um, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll go straight through. We finished off uh, with, let me make sure I've got the right bit. Where do we finish off in chapter 17? I'm having a moment now. This is after they've run out and they're camping. So yeah, they're on the Camelot. There we go. So if for those who are not following, they're on the Camelot Roads. Um, it's very similar on the road from two rivers, but it's, it's quite wide. It passes by some hills and sometimes through some valleys. And it's curling slightly southward. Um, and, and Rand, like most of the boys in Two River, does remember daydreaming over Master Alvear's maps and sees that it curves around the hills of Arashir. Abshire? Abshire. And occasionally they would stop, a till, uh, stop atop a hill so the land could scour the landscape for signs of their pursuers. Um, and Nynaeve is ignoring Moraine on that first day, but then proceeds to try and talk to her continuously about herbs for the next two. Uh, and we must be following this road towards White Bridge, and there we can cross the RNL. So what are your thoughts on this section here, Null? Um, you've got some, some interesting notes you've made down. 
yeah, full disclosure, I um, I knew this was going to happen, but because this is now six six chapters. Uh, what did what did you finish? You're on chapter twenty two, and your actual reading, and we're just really behind on the yeah. recording, aren't we? So, yeah, no, I've actually finished chapter twenty two. Um, twenty three. Oh wow. Okay, so we'll have to do another recording while you're off. I think. So, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But, so I I'm just reading the red bit now, so I can kind of go. Oh, yeah, I remember this, but I, I'm trying to remember specifically what I was. Well, you're talking about some uh, descent growing yeah. between them. Um, like they're suggesting, why don't we just cut across the hills instead of following the road and, and things like that? Yeah, I, I, it was Matt Perrin and Randall seem to be muttering, don't they? They, they mm-hmm. seem to be getting a bit more uh, while things have calmed down and they were a little bit more focused recently. Yeah. They back into their old ways seem to have that issue of why the hell are we doing this? Why don't we just go back home? Like, if we're going to go this way, we might as well just go over there. And I, I think Lan and Marina. Uh, aware of more issues and they just seem to be bickering right yeah it's uh not the the happiest of groups at this stage is it so um but we do get a bit of excitement here we get a sudden bellow from a horn and lamb pointing out that it's um that they are not for certain no they're not nothing for certain ahead huh <laughs> Ladies and gents, if you haven't listened to one of these before. So uh, Noel goes through and types out um, little summaries of the chapter. Um, it's a good refresher for us. And then um, types in red his extra notes about them or thoughts about them. And then occasionally we don't actually look at what he's written prior to reading it. And the sentence doesn't make sense. And this is another occasion. I still, I, know, I said last time I was going to share out your notes to the patrons and I still haven't done that. And we keep meaning to do that. But yeah. So this says, Lan points out that they are not nothing for certain ahead. <laughs> But they know for certain Trollocs follow them now. Oh, <laughs> Love that. Uh, but yeah, so I think I think I was trying to say. Lamb points out that he they don't know for certain what's ahead, but they know for certain that Trollocs are following them now mm-hmm. after the whole. That was the vibe I was getting as well. So. <laughs> I love it. So we go galloping off um, and Lan turns to Moraine and tells her to keep them moving before turning his horse and heading towards their pursuers. And Moraine says, Light go with you, last lord of the seven towers. So what do you think about that? Well, I had flashbacks to the um, Min's visions of them all. And she mentions that he's got seven towers, crumbling towers floating around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just trying to work out, I think at this point, whether it's a metaphor for something. Uh, obviously, the so the towers obviously now represent something from his past. And I, I obviously don't know the meaning of being the Lord of the Seven Towers. Um, but is there... The crumbling in her vision, is that a representation of something that's happened or happening? Um, in my head, I was basically going along the lines of, uh, is, was there seven lords at some point of the towers? And okay. have they slowly fallen? And he's the last. That's kind of where I went in my head with it, I think. 
Well, I uh, I would tell you, but unfortunately, uh, it would break the tempor- yeah. temporal prime directive, so I can't. Um, and that, ladies and gents, is the first time I've gotten to use that. Uh, <laughs> I was watching a Star-, a Star Trek. I was watching Voyager, and there was a whole time travel um, episode piece. At the end of it, Chakotay and Janeway wanted to tell each other about their experiences, and they asked each other, and they were like, can't tell you a temporal prime directive, and they were just holding each other up. So I said from now on, I was going to use that phrase instead of Ratho, uh, just for a bit of extra nerdiness. Uh, when you were reading this, do you remember whether you think Lan was going to be okay? Like, did you think he was going on a suicide mission? Like, is this sensible? Do you think he's um, got the skill? No, I, I I don't think I was too concerned. I think from what we've seen so far, he's reasonably capable. I mean, we haven't seen too much yet, but he rides off, and I got I got the feeling he was leading them away or mm-hmm. attempting. To. Or creating some sort of distraction. I didn't think he was going face first into them. Okay. Uh, it was more of a ascertain as much information as possible and potentially distract them or, or try and deviate their path if they're following the group. Okay, yep. I hear what you're saying. Is uh, so, uh, just playing, um, playing the distraction card as opposed to go on and take on, you know, how yeah, many yeah. trollocs fall. Cool. All right. Well, the others continue writing, um, and they do question why they don't go faster. Um, and Moraine sort of says to them, you know, well, we know they're coming because of the horns and stuff, but do they want us to just rush forward into, you know, a trap or, you know, not knowing what's ahead? Um, and they were like, okay, fine. You know, we'll just carry on as you say the Moraine. Uh, Land does eventually reappear, but the Trollocs are obviously very close to that stage as well. And he says there's at least three fists of Trollocs, but maybe up to five following them. And they're all spread out, just pushing them forward. And we've made a note here that a fist is 100 Trollocs, so there's between three and 500 Trollocs following them. That's a lot of bad guys uh, when there's, what, seven in this party? Six? Seven. Yeah, and that's why I thought it was important to put down what a fist is, because when it mentions it and it's like three or four uh, like three fists I was like oh that's not a lot you know maybe that's a dozen mm-hmm. uh, or you know three dozen sort of thing and then when I looked at what a fist was I was like oh okay that's a lot mm-hmm. they do not want to be caught up in that yeah I, I don't think they would be surviving um, a, a single fist of Trollocs really but um, you know 500 is, is a very different number to, to 100 or even a dozen uh, but this is the, the fun, shocking moment because um, as they wander forwards, there is a sound horn. There was a sound horned. A horn sounded. Even I'm doing it now. A horn sounded ahead, answered by many, many more. And they have two options left, Maureen says. We can run south into the hills and to the Taran, but there is no way to cross. Um, perhaps if the ice is broken at Maradon, there might be a trader's boat um, you know things like that like the options are screwed Land does mention there is somewhere that they won't be followed but Moraine cuts him off and they huddle talking for a moment after which Moraine declares they will be going north um, yeah I didn't put anything in here but it was a weird exchange yeah um, so uh, as has been put in chat I, I love this so have you seen the Simpsons movie no no Yes, yes, yeah. I have. So uh, it's the bit where, um, I'm sure it's a Simpsons movie, but it's a Simpsons episode. Homer is stuck to um, the wrecking ball, and it's just rocking back and forth between a bar called the Hard, a hard Place and a giant rock. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
It's an appropriate gift there, Emmeline. Thank you. Um, Emmeline, sorry. Emmeline. Emmeline, not Emmeline. I just remembered I'm saying that wrong. But they go north. Um, they leave the road, trying traversing the hills. It's very slow. And the horns are getting closer. And even Lan is getting a bit worried at this stage. Like, you know, he's, he's very concerned. Um, and he unconsciously moves his cloak to even access his sword, which, you know, freaks out random Matt a little bit. They're grimacing at each other. Uh, and there are Trollocs near. Lan tells them, possibly scouts. Um, he tells them to keep close and do as he does and keep on the path they are making. So, um, I mean, how are you feeling at this point? I remember you coming in talking about like, because uh, obviously this was months ago, you've actually read this, um, but coming in at work and saying like, oh, you know, it's, 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 we're in a lull at the moment. Then coming in after reading this, you were like, bloody hell, it's all picked up, hasn't it? So. You can feel, or I could feel while I was reading it, the tension building. And it was very subtle, like, Obviously, it's quite obvious that we're building to something, by the way. You're being led into that path. Like, they're being followed. They can hear horns all around them. You, know, you, you feel like something's about to happen, but the actual tension of it and the characters' interactions build that up as well. Like, you could feel the uh, the expectation of something from all of them. Like, even Lan's starting to freak out, and I could feel myself like, oh, God, something's going to happen. Yeah, the heart is racing as you read this chapter, most definitely. Um, and, and just to, to keep that heart pumping a little stronger, we crest a hill, and there, at the base of which, uh, or just the, the hill behind them, the, the Trollocs are just beginning to catch them up. Um, but there are Trollocs at the other end of this hill as well. Uh, there's a murderer with them, and it hesitates, but only for a second and it quickly unsheaves its black blade waving and uh, up up come the Trollocs and everything at the same time Lan reacts and uh, whips up his sword tells them to stay close and with a cry rides toward them do, do you want to say what he says? Uh, I, I really want to do it in like a powerful voice go for it so for the seven towers oof I loved it. That's great. <laughs> that's brilliant. I'm going to get you to voice land more often, I think. So <laughs> that's that's great. So Rand uh, just, you know, keeps toe with this. He whips out Tam's sword, goes with his own chant of Maneferin, and then Perrin is calling that as well. But then Matt calls out something else. Um, and I'm going to, I'm definitely going to ask you to hazard a guess at what he says here. I, well, I think the first word is maybe Karai. Okay. Uh, Am? I mean, you could just uh, say it all if you wanted, rather than one word at a time, you know. <laughs> Karai and Kaldazar? Karai and... Oh, God. Elisand? Al Elisand? Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, that last word is weirding me out, because I don't yeah. know whether I'm supposed to pronounce the E or not. Um, I oh god, I'm trying to remember because uh, have I have I I don't know if I actually I've I've said that uh, for a section I can't remember what uh, for I did a recording or something for someone or somewhere and I'm sure I said that word and I can't remember if I pronounced the e or not but however you want to pronounce it is fine for you um, you know everyone pronounce it the way they want but you recognised some of this well okay Jason uh, gentle giant Jason in the chat is uh, saying uh, perfect old tongue so uh, you're scoring points there mate don't worry 
Oh, lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you haven't, uh, uh, Jason, uh, Null did put slightly earlier in the chat that he can't multitask and read the chat at the same time. So I will let him know things like that. But you recognize that uh, this Menethrin was from somewhere early in the story. Yeah. So that is, I was trying to remind myself, but that, that was the ancestry of the two rivers, wasn't it? It was their history. Mm-hmm. It's where they all essentially, as their ancestors have come from. Yes. Um, but then I was, I was like, well, where's that one? Like, I could understand why Rand has picked that up. Potentially, it's it's a bit weird of a jump to go from, you know, I've I've heard this story a few nights ago, and that's the, the call I'm going to cry out. It's a very quick sort of decision. So I thought it was a bit strange, but understandable. But then Matt cries that out, and I was like, well, where the hell has that come from? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we skip slightly ahead, um, like the reactions. People get weirded out, don't they? Like the, the group are kind of like, How, what did you say, Matt? I feel like I recognized it sort of thing. So um, we will definitely come to that later in the recording. But um, yeah, it's it's quite, I remember being quite unexpected when I was reading. So um, I'm glad that uh, it's just as puzzling to you as it is to me because you pick up more than I did. So I'm glad that some things are still leaving you confounded uh, <laughs> but anyway we dive into battle um and everyone's just throwing weapons left right and center they're all surrounded there's hooks and loop wielding trollocs lan in the fade are fighting alone in a circle brains lashing out of her staff um looking basically a bit like lan um there's flame engulfing trollocs and Nynaeve and Egwene behind her with their short daggers. Not really sure what they're going to achieve with that, but it's better than doing nothing, isn't it, really? Um, I, they look badass, though. They look badass. I'm sure they do, absolutely. Hey, you know, if you're going to take a... If, if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. You know, you've, you've got to work with what you've got given, isn't it? So um, good on them, I say. Um, it, it, why do they not have anything else? Did, did that cross your mind? It crossed my mind, reading this section. Uh... No, I don't think it did. I think I probably mentally skipped over the fact that the others have all been, um, you know, okay, they collected random weapons from from home, but they were all sort of um, initiated into the use of them. Where, oh, well, I suppose it's because uh, Egwene, for example, she is being slowly taught in the ways of, of using the one power, so that is the greatest weapon isn't it yes yeah that's fair um and Nynaeve has snuck in as an add-on so you know um she just has her her general wood woodsman traveling kit uh, I'm not sure what you would call that but yeah fair enough it just as I was rereading this I was like hold up they don't have actual like big burly weapons like anyone else so um but yeah Rand is uh, he's trying to get his horse to go in their direction but it is like not having it he's you know he's just moving straight ahead um the trollocs are trying to run away from moraine but she seeks them out Rand almost gets caught by a loop but he manages to cut the pole in two he gets caught on his cloak by a hook almost dismounting him um you know he's clinging on cloud is shrieking you know, he's Perrin is fighting with his axe as three trollocs are grabbing him uh, you know cloud drops there's just trollocs everywhere um and i love i love what you've written here in response to this particular part of the uh of the battle <laughs> go on tell us what you wrote um, down it'll be a short journey if they get taken out 
Fight, damn you, fight. <laughs> yes, folks, uh, Null really gets into this and even verbalizes in his notes the the reaction to the action. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was 100% in my head in Gandalf's voice as well. <laughs> oh, yes. God. Just... Uh, it, I think what he actually says is flee, you fools. But yes. that... that, that way of saying it was what was going on in my head at the time mm -hmm. yeah, right. i'm also getting vibes um and i can't remember it's been that long since i read the last book but vibes of him calling the soldiers of gondor back to the wall after they start fleeing away at the initial start of the battle in the movie and he's like fight stand and fight i was getting vibes of that so <laughs> fight damn you fight um but yeah we love pulling in the lord of the rings references <laughs> yeah i don't know what's going on today i've not seen any of the films in in a very long time so it's, it's fine it's okay <laughs> but yeah so we've we've, we've got uh, you know the cloud basically dropping we've got trollocs pulling at rand's leg hooks grabbing him out the saddle um and then suddenly all the trollocs just sort of stop they're clawing at their faces and they begin falling to the ground um and uh, Rand looks up, and there is the Murdral still in its saddle, but it is now a headless Murdral. Uh, so clearly Lan has won that. Um, did you expect Lan to... Did you expect this reaction from all the Trollocs, like when the Murdral got beheaded? Well, no, no. I, don't, I find it a bit like... Why do you think I, they I, did that? I, I still don't know, but I was like, well, how is that connected? Right. I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll ask a question that you can't answer again. Are the Trollocs <laughs> in some way uh, not not a part of the Murdral, but sort of, um, I guess, sort of guided by them psychically? Is there some sort of link in the same way that uh, Rain and Lan have a, a connection? I'm I'm debating on whether I should give you this information. It's not really a spoiler, I don't think. Um, I don't know. Chat, what do you reckon? Should I be telling Null um, this? Em Emmeline says it's okay. And that's fine. Emmeline's an, uh, a first-time reader, so um, I'm, I'm down for it. Okay, so uh, basically Trollocs are, you know they're just soldier fodder basically you know they're, they're just the, yeah. the general dog's body of the armies um and you can't always get them to do what you want them to do like you know they're they're a bit sort of they're, they're in some ways easily scared off um so to help control them and make them more obedient a murderal um and uh, later on we can explore this in detail when we get to the appropriate part of the books murderal have the ability to link with a number of Trollocs and uh it basically it, it's almost like you know some form of um you know you will now do whatever i tell you type link um but the downside of that is if the murderer was killed all the trollocs connected to that one murderer die as well so that's actually what's happened yeah yeah which i suppose in terms of uh controlling a small group of, of soldiers if you're the leader you have no intention of dying so it's not a great loss like you're not you're not concerned about whether the trollocs are all going to die because they're your they are your fodder yeah exactly so yeah so that that's why uh we've we've now um had everyone saved last second because it was getting pretty tense there like i, I don't know how you feel but um 
I my heart was racing when the very very first time I read this. I was like, my God, are they are they actually about to get taken? Yeah, when I wrote that comment about this will be a short journey if they get taken, I was I was really struggling to see how they were going to get out of this. It felt like uh, they'd been forced into a bottleneck and there wasn't an escape. And I, I as I was reading it, I was very. I guess my mind was turning over. What on earth can happen that is going to save this situation? Because it feels very, very one-sided. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, evidence of the great writing here because you're so in the moment with this battle or this little, little fight and you're like, my God, it, it, you genuinely feel the first time you read through it and you don't know what's going to happen. Like, this, this feels like it's it. So, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's very impressive. So we've all been saved. Thank you, Lan. Good one. Um, Tom shouts that it won't die until nightfall. And Lan's like, Let, come on, let's just get the hell out of here. Let's, you know, let's get out of Dodge. We've got to go. It's not all of them. Um, and he's halfway gone. You know, he's like, it's almost like he's saying this over his shoulder. Like, dude, come on, let's, let's, let's bug out. And, um, you know, Moraine, Naneve and Egwene are, are all with them. And we've got more horns coming Um Matt's the only one who's actually gotten off his horse in the end. Um, there was a whole noose around his neck, so he hops back in his horse, and off they go with double speed, but the hunters are gaining. Like, it's just really intense. Basically, as they get to the peak of the next hill, their pursuers crest the hill behind them. There's hundreds of Trollocs, three Merdral, um, and shit's getting serious now. Like, not that it wasn't before, but, you know, a, a, a small group in front of you is very different to 300 behind you. So... Um, and then we have this f- incredible moment with Moraine and she turns around, she dismounts. Yeah. She unwraps this little angriole. She holds it in one hand, the staff in the other. And then, um, we basically she just stabs it into the ground. We get this giant clang, almost like a mallet on metal and then silence. Um, and nothing moves for a second, but then suddenly the ground begins to shake and everyone's fighting to stand upright except for Moraine. Or, as you wrote in the notes, everyone fights the staff upright, except for Moraine, who doesn't move at all. <laughs> I love these notes. Uh, we get some ripples, like a wave on a pond, growing and growing. Uh, and they eventually come upon the Trollocs, and they're tumbled over, are swept up. Um, and the Merdral, they're not swept up. They're just moving forward still. So um, I'm just going to go through the rest of this little bit here, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. But... Um, Marie lifts her staff from the ground. We're still getting some shaking. She points it towards the hollow and we get flames shooting out of the ground 20 feet high. And then she throws her hands wide and the flame shoots out left and right, creating a giant wall between the group and the Trollocs. Uh, and the heat even reaches up to the top of the hill. So we know it's it's pretty scorching. Uh, this does stop the fades, uh, the Merdrals, as they ride up because, uh, you know, they start, the horses start to rear and scream. Even if the Merdrals try and force them through. Gets Moraine pretty tired, and um, and then we dash off. So before we talk about where they dash to, like, your note here is talking about how this is going to be in the TV show is is very poignant. Like, what do you think this is going to look like as a visual component in the show, if they put it in, obviously? If they don't put it in, they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm saying it now. Rafe, uh, Rafe, you heard it here first. If you don't put this scene in the show, I know you've already filmed it. Um, you're an idiot. <laughs> Like what? What did you visualize? Well, so I very much like I wrote. I 
I vividly visualised her stood there and sort of wind blowing, maybe a cape's flapping back as she strikes this staff into the ground. And then you just hear that low rumble in the distance, sort of the the earth beginning to shift and then this ripple of earth just turning and all the soil spilling everywhere and these trollocs as it hits them just flung left, right and centre, sort of flipping over and and then these midrolls just atop their horses sort of I guess coming out of the chaos mm-hmm. still on horseback not seemingly phased I just, I just think that's such a good scene especially on as they're cresting this hill and this wave just batters against them yeah it just it, it was such a good piece of writing as a uh, so evocative that I was just like this is brilliant like that flame rising up and just across and I could I, you can you can see the horses rearing and bucking as they're just like no this is you know uh we're going through there and that's sort of like hell no <laughs> and it's this this screams from the heat because they if they can feel the heat behind brain at the top of this hill the heat down the bottom where these evil buggers are trying to force the horses through must be super super blistering intense oh yeah it's got to be i mean we've got to be close to melting metal at this stage um uh, before i ask you the next question i do have to point out there's been a gift dropped in chat um and it is very fitting based on how we just previously spoke about them uh but it is the scene of gandalf in the movies uh the first movie with the barog being like you shall not pass uh but i'm now envisioning rosamund pike and a big wall of flame so uh very appropriate Evelyn. nicely nicely done um the question i'm gonna ask you how does this compare with the other examples of moraine channeling that we've seen so we've seen fog we've seen her become a giant we've seen healing and and a few other bits and pieces how does this uh, display of power compare to those other ones for you so far right well i was just contemplating this while you were reading up to this point and because of the response like the trollocs are all flung away but you've got these horse riders just breezing through and i was thinking well Obviously, they have some sort of magical abilities as well, and they are unaffected. So is this, in a similar way to the others, relatively uh, not not easy to do, but, you know, it's, it's not a true reflection of what she can do. Okay, so you think she's capable of much more than, than this? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I, I got the feeling that as you were reading that, okay, this is not, this is impressive and like visually it's amazing. But is this actually still just part of her abilities? Is this not her going all in? Is it, is it, is it more of a effective way of stopping them than a true show of force? Okay. Well, you know, as it is stated in the books, Moraine does tell them that she's going to be okay because she's, as we've noted, looking very weak and, and uh, wavering. Um, but she does explain that she's weaker when she uses earth and fire. And you've actually put in your notes there that if if that's her weaker stuff, oh boy, I can't wait to see one, uh, see her full on. Full one attacks? Full. <laughs> your notes here, mate. Come on. <laughs> if that's her weaker stuff, oh boy, I can't wait to see her full one attacks. 
<laughs> I mean, that does kind of make sense, but I feel like we're missing a word there or something. But yeah, the full-on attacks and one of her full attacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah. So. No, that's fair. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we've got many books, so we can uh, see what she comes up with. Uh, Nynaeve does pop up to at this point, and uh, we have a little brief whispering, and Moraine takes something from Nynaeve and eats it. Uh, and Nynaeve moves back, offers no explanation, uh, but Rand does feel like she's got a look of satisfaction. Um, and, you know, we've got a bit of power play you've put here, so... Nynaeve... Yeah, she, she constantly seems to be... Uh, well, not constantly, but there's a lot of suggestion that she's trying to do things to almost score points. Um, you know, like, oh, you think what I do isn't important, and I'll show you. <laughs> kind of thing. And I don't know whether Moraine actually is treating her like that, or like she's... Nynaeve's got that into her own head because she perceives this um, this divide that maybe isn't really there. It might all be in Nynaeve's head, quite possibly. Yeah. So okay, well, you know, we've had the power play moment, um, but we continue on. Land does stop them. Um, you know, Nynaeve tries to approach, but Land like uh, gives her a look, does like basically fuck off, um, and they they move slightly ahead, and we have this nice little heated discussion. And you think that he's pushing for them to go to the place that he suggested before, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. The, moving aside and then having this sort of slightly heated argument, uh, particularly after she shot him down and then they've just had this confrontation and they are being definitely followed by a much, much larger group. Um, I think he's pressing for whatever, whatever, um, dangerous place they have previously sort of mentioned and who barring what happens in the rest of the the chapters to follow this who do you think is right you know is is land right to say we should go to this clearly very dangerous place or is moraine right to say we should still avoid going there even given our current situation well it's tricky isn't it because they are as the gift suggests between a rock and a hard place they're often, <laughs> um, are very slim mm -hmm. so you know if they go on a route to try and get to the tarum or you know wherever they are faced with a lot of open country difficult terrain and a pursuer that is seemingly uh unrelenting mm -hmm. if a place is dangerous but there's the potential that they can at least put some sort of barrier between themselves and the Trollocs and everything, it might be worth it, but... But do you want to be going to a place that Murdoch and Trollocs would consider dangerous? I suppose it depends. I think when I was reading this, I was, I was thinking about the fact that potentially scaring off perhaps it's somewhere that is okay it's dangerous but it might not be i'm following you across country dangerous it might just be be careful here dangerous okay and that's why i was kind of i i was thinking that they should go so you're on land side at the time okay cool yeah, yeah. all right well you know the while this is happening, we do we're going to pop back to the the map point here. So the group was waiting awkwardly. Um, and we get a little bit of chatting, and and the questions are raised about what was said during the fight. Um, so um, you know, Matt's like, "Well, I had to shout something," 
you know, and Perrin's like, well, yeah, we had a right to use it. Moraine said we're their descendants from Maneferin and stuff. Um, but Egwene is not improved, impressed by this. You know, there's a bit of disapproval going around. Um, but then she asked what Matt specifically said. And he's like, I don't know. He just just, just kind of came out. Um, but he doesn't think it means anything important, even if Egwene does. And she feels like she almost understood it, but can't quite remember. And then we get the phrase um, sort of repeated from behind them and we find out what it means. So it means for the honor of the Red Eagle... For the honor of the Rose of the Sun, the Rose of the Sun. That's uh, the translation of it. So, um, and it's basically the ancient war cry of Minefrin and the war cry of its last leader, Eldreen, uh, who was known as the Rose of the Sun. So what are your reactions to this and Matt shouting it out, basically, in, in the middle of a battle? Uh, I believe I wrote, what? <laughs> <laughs> You did, yes. Uh, yeah. Capital letters in the in the in the notes. What? <laughs> How would he know that? And then it made me think. Oh, okay. So hold on a second. What if all of them are important? I've been under the assumption up until this point, and the story leads you into thinking that one of them is important in this struggle between good and bad. Mm-hmm. What if each of them, in their own right, have a path that is important in the greater narrative? I mean... Um, um, go on. No, no I was, I, I'll let you finish and then I'll ask. And then I was just uh, following my notes. I just said, what, what if they have some sort of innate knowledge hidden within them that they are just starting to have access to? That's that's a fair question. Um, I believe previously you have stated that you feel that Rand is the, quote, important one. Um, are you, in effect, saying now that rather than having, like, a main character, we kind of just have five important secondary characters and no main character type? I don't know the right way to describe that from a literary or a, a TV sense, but... Um, you know, rather having like one leading person, you've just got a whole range of people that are equally leading, but none of them is the key leading person sort of thing. Is that what you're this thinking? A, yeah, this is really hard to answer when I've read further on. And <laughs> things I've read further on have shaped my opinion even more. Okay. Um, well, give it, give us but, the whole nine yards. Come on. Like, you know, unless you're going to drop... Yeah, it's a, You're only six chapters ahead. So even if you drop something from there, it's not the end of the world for anyone who hasn't got there yet. So, Well, so from... I think at the time I was already starting to have this opinion. Uh, yes, I think they, certainly to some degree, there is more of a, each person has something important to play. Um, and, and perhaps the reason I was so focused on Rand is because the narrative so far has been very much as a group. And so Rand has been the, the main focus of things that have happened so far. Mm -hmm. However, knowing that they start to get split up for different reasons. And there is this narrative change where we've got person X over here is doing this and you, you're seeing their journey from their perspective. It, it certainly makes me feel like each has more to offer and that maybe there is, you know, there are things that happens the bit I'm at now um, where you start to see that characters actually have a lot more potential and there are things that 
as of yet are known about them and they don't understand about themselves and it makes me think well actually yeah something big is happening and each of them are important more so than that oh Rand's the hero cool I, I love that at this point in the in the reading, you're thinking that, and then within six chapters, it's kind of backing up that thought process for you. So, um, yeah, I, I like that intrigue there. What if they're all important? Uh, you have capitalized important, which is quite, you know, quite good. <laughs> oh, it is important, that word. It is. It is important. And as Emily has put in chat, the shift in POVs that you're talking about really does open up the possibilities. Uh, so, yeah, it's good that you've seen that. Uh, we get Matt and Gawain, uh Equain, you've done a Q here rather than a G. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> we've got Matt and Equain uh, looking at each other. Is that autocorrect? Yeah, it must be autocorrect. Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point I must have put it in as that, and now it just wants me to put it as that. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gents, to Malkia Talks, the show where Egwene is spelled with a Q. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cut that bit out and make it like a little intro snippet into the uh, the recording. I think so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so with the, <laughs> yes, yes, Emily, the way you've put it in, yeah, E Q W A Y N E is uh, how you would phonetically pronounce it, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, just replace the G with a Q, and that's how autocorrect is done here. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so Rand is wondering if Matt is thinking what he's thinking. Is Matt descended from the old kings? And maybe the Trollocs are after him, and not all of them. And it makes him feel a bit ashamed to think this, um, and a look from Perrin sort of lets him think that it kind of that's running through Perrin's mind as well. Um, Tom, declaring he's never heard any of, of the like, asks if they intend to remain here for the rest of the day, uh, kind of giving them a nudge into action and say, right, we've, we've got to go somewhere and, you know, we can't just hang out here forever, folks. Um, and Moraine says, right, come on, off we go. We've got Horn Sounding again. They've gotten past the fire. So, um, you know, you can't do what you think you want to do, Moraine. You're just not strong enough. They're not going to follow us to where I want to go. She starts rejecting the idea, but as you wanted them to do, she relents and, you know, there's no other option. We've, we've just got to go. So everyone gather up, um, you know, literally, this is basically, you know, no personal space moment. Um, everyone's hugged up as close as possible on the horses and she stands up in the spirit stirrups and begins waving her staff in a circle. Uh, Rand feels a shiver every time it comes over him and Lan is the only one unaffected so clearly everyone else is feeling it and she throws the staff out west uh, and the leaves begin to blow and shift with it and then Moraine slumps back in a saddle and says that the Trollocs will follow their scent that way which is what she's that's what she's done uh, although the murderer will see for it eventually by then um, but by then uh, and she unfortunately just sort of loses herself there and Lan finishes the sentence but by then they will have lost themselves so this is another fun display of the power. So we're getting great subtlety as well as great sort of, you know, epic battle scenes. Um, this is, did you expect her to have this sort of ability as well? Um, you know, to sort of hide scent, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's strange. I see. So uh, obviously I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's weird. The little things that, that, uh, that are in Dungeons and Dragons that are in this. <laughs> so, like the, the the Wall of Fire is one of them. Uh, the rolling the soil and causing it to ripple out is is another one that's sort of similar to something in that. And uh, 
this is quite a nice one because it's quite a low sort of in my opinion would be quite a low thing to do you just sort of uh creating a minor effect that affects something very sort of casually and that's why the um mid roll would would see through it quite easily uh but no i wasn't i don't think i was expecting her to do it i i think at this point she seemed quite knackered mm-hmm. um yeah I, I was surprised when i first read the books that she had anything left after the the wall of fire moment so um yeah i i can yeah, agree I, with I, you there she sort of hinted at the fact that there's there's you know there's more power but she finds it more difficult with uh, earth and fire mm-hmm. um, so I kind of knew that she's got more and that's why I sort of thought that you know she's got a lot more power but it's quite obvious whenever she does do something the physical toll it takes on her is, is quite evident yes yeah she does she has that, it must take something from you to, to do something I think we I mentioned this before didn't I I thought that each time you use the power it takes something of you in order to to sort of use it Mm -hmm. yes we that is the current theory on the power that it requires uh some physical cost um as yet unidentified in um detail and uh how long lasting and then that but that is yeah definitely something that you've um, we we have debated on on the recording so far, and that, that's our current the current theory on the use of the power. So um, yeah, and this is yeah as you say more evidence to that. So cool. Well, we do head off very carefully and quietly after this moment, and we eventually become uh, come upon a great vine covered mass that stretches out in front of them all. Um, and Rand initially thinks we've we've hit a cliff face, a cliff face. Like you know, how are we getting the horses up there? But then suddenly he spots a tower and we realize it's a guard tower and the mass in front of them is a wall. Matt is like, what the hell is the city doing here? Um, and Perrin, you know, like, what, 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 what? Like, this doesn't make sense. And Perrin's like, well, clearly there's no people because who's going to let the creepers grow and destroy the walls? Like, if they live there, like, you know, regular people aren't going to let their city walls be demolished by creepers. And Rand sees this as well. Uh, the, the vines have grown. They've broken the towers. Uh, you know, and there's piles of crumbled stone and cascades, you know, down to pl- certain places. They're just stacks of them. And Egwene, out loud, wonders what the city is because she's not seen it on her pa's map. And Moraine replies, It was called Arid Hall, and during the Trolloc Wars, it was an ally of Minethrin. And she continues, Later, Arid Hall died and was called by another name. Matt asks, What name? Here, Lan says, moving towards a giant gate wide enough to fit 50 men through a breast. We enter here. The sound of a horn uh, to south lets them know that their ruse has been discovered. We must find shelter before dark. What name, Matt asks again. As they ride into the city, Moraine finally says, Shadowlogath. It's called Shadowlogath. So, what do you think of that? Uh, the name's a bit ominous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I couldn't help but say it with uh, a sort of tone of, uh, you know, an o- anonymous tone. I was trying to think of a different way to say ominous there for some reason. Um, yeah, it's uh, th- there is something inherently creepy about that name. So I'm glad. Yeah, it's not the kind of place you'd expect a carnival and sort of... Uh... <laughs> Go have a, a bag of popcorn and watch the circus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the end of the chapter. 
so but you've got some thoughts so you've put here that the fight was a bit of a close call they were almost overtaken but it's very clear that land and moraine can hold their own surprises you not surprising what's the status here um, do you think well i i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong here this is the first time we've actually seen them in the midst of in the sort of in the middle of a battle this it's always been they're being chased you know we're the only other real time we've had any face-to-face contact is Rand going back to the farm mm-hmm. and obviously the we caught a little bit of what happened in the village but it's not it wasn't really uh the actual fighting is off screen yeah. so to speak isn't it so you know like yeah. so so winter nights we saw the aftermath except for what happened to Rand. Um, so we didn't see Lan and Moraine fighting uh, when Lan snuck off to kind of distract the Trollocs that were chasing them. Again, we didn't go with Lan. We stayed with the group from a POV point of view. So, yeah, this is the first time we've actually seen them fight. Do you feel that this was, they had this well under control? They were pressured somewhere in the middle? Like, how I, how do you feel it uh, went for them? For the group or specifically for Lan and Specifically, Lanamorain, because we know that the um, the Emmonsfielders were about to to be wrapped up in some some nastiness. Um, I, I think for those two, they were probably fine. I think if if there was any sort of um, you know if they felt any sort of pressure, really, it was probably more to do with the fact that they are they've got this group of relative noobs sort of tagging along. Mm-hmm. And the that rather than being a case of oh you know we come across these small group of trollocs and we're having to deal with it they are thinking okay we need to end this quickly so that we are protecting those that we are looking after. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's more of a a you know if you went into a fight and it's just you and another person that's a straight fight however if someone is attacking someone else you know who is weaker and you step in you're trying to protect somebody else so your your mentality is different isn't it and i think that's probably what what the case is there they were they're fighting to protect rather than fighting just to kill yeah yeah that's fair i think that's an accurate description of how they were handling that so uh you have a few points um the battle cries where did that come yeah. from? If you had to take your best guess, because I know the battle cries are not addressed in the chapters you've currently read up to, so, um, or not in detail I mean, anyway, like, where do you think these battle cries are coming from? Like, why do you think that they were screaming, um, or Matt, sorry, was screaming this, uh, these, these phrases? The only thing I can think of is that maybe they have, um, Shared memory is the wrong term, but like an ancestral sort of connection. Okay. Where, you know, memories don't just fade. Uh, and maybe there's some sort of like, well, I guess they do fade, but, you know, there's something within them mm-hmm. that is of the past. And for some reason at this time, perhaps having heard the story, he sort of remembered that. Or... As I, as I sort of, it was said before, perhaps he is descended from someone important. And it's just within him. But again, it relies on this idea that memories are sort of 
uh, what's the word? Sort of like passed down. Right. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. So, okay. Well, you know, hopefully we find out eventually where the battle cry is, uh, where that comes from. Um, you know, we'll see how we go. <laughs> we'll see if the temporal prime directive can be broken. And uh, <laughs> uh, we've we've talked a little bit about Shadow Logoth. Um, you know, you're assuming it means something bad. And then your last point of the chapter is that uh, it, once again, you have more questions than answers. So, but did you expect anything else after just 18 chapters? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and to be fair, I think looking back, actually, I am starting to challenge or cement ideas. You know, hero thing. I'm, I'm beginning to piece things together. I am getting answers, not not necessarily to the questions I had, but I'm getting answers to information I didn't know I needed. Okay. Well, I mean, that's better than nothing, isn't it? So I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting answers to, to I'm getting answers to information I didn't know I needed. I like that. That's a good phrase. Um, okay. So chapter 19, how are you feeling, mate? Shall we carry on to chapter 19? Uh, we've only been going yeah, yeah. like an hour yet. So chapter 19 is Shadows Waiting. Uh, so folks, you're getting a double chapter this time. We don't always do that. Um, I didn't like this chapter. You did not like this chapter. Okay, that was my first question. I was like, how did you, what did you think about this chapter? So just to, to spin right ahead, this chapter finishes... Um, oh, okay, so this chapter basically covers their entire time of just being in the city of Shadalogoth, um, but doesn't like uh, sort of cover any time afterwards. But you didn't enjoy this. Was there anything particular about the chapter you didn't enjoy? Or was there just a general vibe? Yeah, it, or It was the vibe I got from the whole experience, particularly Rand, Matt, and Perrin. Okay. And their insistence on doing stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> that, that i can see why you might not enjoy that uh, <laughs> it just you, you know when like you're watching a horror film and you watch someone go into somewhere and you're just noping the whole way through mm -hmm. i i had that vibe right from the get-go as soon as they they you know start i'm just like no 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 and, and i was proof right <laughs> your your um your description of the boys and their decision making is always entertaining so um yeah this is the chap this is the chapter of nope folks um you know? <laughs> well let's 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 talk about their journey through this uh chapter of nope uh yeah they, they do head in and it's just as as you know evidence from the outside it carries on the inside it's very abandoned uh, just like Perrin has said we've got weeds mostly quite old and dead um, they're just protruding from everywhere cracks in walls pavements with crumbling walls bricks spilling across streets towers that are broken and crumbled um you know maybe a few stunted trees and stuff but not much really um but the place is fucking massive you know it's taking rand's breath away Bailon could just disappear in the shadows here type thing and he thought Bailon was pretty big didn't he know like he got to Bailon and was just like oh jeebus so yeah yeah uh now we're here actually that's great yes so i can't um that's a good point jason to put that in chat so um i'm going to give you a moment uh null to if you can hop over to the spoiler three void and have a look at the chat there are you able to do that do you think i know you don't keep yeah. up with it during chatting but there's a picture put in there by gentle giant uh which is jason oh, wow. so this is artwork that was released as a teaser by the bottom prime account um and this we are pretty certain 
Um, I, I don't think anyone could question this. This is Shadow Logoth. In fact, I'm, I don't even need to question it. I don't even need 99%. It's 100% because the description of the picture said Shadow Logoth. So uh, this is kind of conceptual art for the TV show. I've got a, a wider scope picture as well, but this is the, the slim sort of, uh, I suppose, phone background version. Folks, if you haven't seen it, um, it is, um, you just need to go to the World of Time Twitter account um, or just search it, Shadow Logo. It will come up in a Google search. Uh, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, what do you it's think of that imagery? Is that how you envisioned it or better, worse? What are you thinking? It's not, and I, I think it's much better. Oh, have I just disconnected? No, 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 you're there. It just badooped at me. Nope. Uh, yeah, so I, in my head, I was picturing the streets wider. And I like this version and, and how close and tight and um, constricted it feels because of the shadows. Mm -hmm. That makes the, the part towards the end much creepier. Yeah. Like, there's there's no escape from it and and that is 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 a much darker way of doing it oh yeah rather than having in my head the shadows were kind of moving across the sort of i guess wider um walkways and pathways and there was there was less of a uh it was easier to make it through however with that that's hella dark <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I'm trying to think how I envisioned it when I first read the story, or, or even up until seeing this conceptual art. Um, and I, I know the, the buildings were um, more white stone than dark stone. I think is the only real difference for me. I don't think I imagined them quite so tall continuously, like taller buildings here and there. But um, yeah, when I, it, I, I have to say, I looked at this picture and I was like. I don't think anyone needed a description. I don't think anyone who's read the books could look at that picture and think that is anywhere else than Shadow Logoth. Um, you know, the vibe is... I think they've nailed the vibe, personally. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jason, for popping that into chat. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm glad not... <laughs> there we go. See? <laughs> I, did, I thought... Jason fought Whitestone as well. So, I love it. This is great. So, uh, but... Literally, as you finished, I noticed the mist and then I've noticed the comment. Yeah. It's the mist. Yeah. The mist floating yeah. around, yeah. yeah. But that does, you know, it does make it creepy and, and weird and scary. And um, it, it fits a place that you don't want to go, but you might go to Escape Trollocs from. So, yeah, I, uh, I I liked it. So, But we're heading around the city anyway. And, um, you know, we stop in front of a place like that's pretty much double the size of the Stagon line. And, you know, he's Rand is like, what? He's very distracted by the sights. Moraine studies the building and she's like, yep, yeah, okay, this will do. In we go. Um, and Lan's like, right, take the horse inside before he disappears off Moraine. Um, and Tom's like, okay, takes a bit of a mocking moment at this and goes, right, okay, I'll take the horses. So, you know, well, what are you doing, boys? Come on. Um, and they all, all rush in, take the horses through the hole that used to be a large doorway and uh, enter a very large room. We've got some hangings around it and, you know, all sorts of just... You know, it, it's it's very barren. Um, Lands hiding Moraine in the corner with their cloaks, setting her down. Um, the Nynaeve's approaching with, you know, herbs and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, even Lan is getting herbs at this stage, it, it seems like. So, um, but uh, with a, you've put with a hand on Lan's arm, Moraine tells him to be at ease. Uh, she doesn't know. And, and you've got a question here about this statement. Yeah, it just... So I put, why do I suddenly have a feeling Moraine is de 
deathly sick. It was just the interaction where Nynaeve is trying to offer something that she thinks will help. I was just like, oh, that's weird. And I, I remember even just shortly after writing it, I was like, nah, she's not. But it was just odd. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've quickly followed it up in the notes, but, um, you know, if you'd stopped right there, you think, my God, like, how is Lan treating Moraine? It, I can understand why you've had that thought process. But you've then followed up with, you know, how she's saying, please just give me some tea so I can sleep. Um, perhaps Nynaeve doesn't understand how the use of the one power works. Um, so oh, we've had a question from chat as well. Um, yeah, Emmeline has asked, is asking, has she drawn more power than she should have? Oh, oh, yeah. See, if I say yes, it goes against my theory that what she's just done is not, uh, so the answer is no, is, is no then. Sorry, Emily. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, because, oh, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. she's already said that certain types of, of power have a more adverse effect on her. Who knows? Um, Do you feel I'm naive? so bad at making decisions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, Null is very bad. Like sometimes I have to be like, "Come on, just pick a side." Um, he likes to sit on the fence. Bless him. <laughs> it's yeah, here's a question. Going off the whole point scoring thing that we've we've brought up a few times over the recordings, do you think in this moment Nynaeve is still doing, you know, behaving in a well, I've got a point here and you don't sort of situation, or is she being genuinely, genuinely empathetic towards Moraine and how she's feeling? I think she's more of a uh, mother hen sort of figure. Okay. So I don't think I don't think a lot of the time what she does is necessarily out of uh, she doesn't think it through. She is used to being uh, this person that does the healing that is uh, sees herself as a protector mm-hmm. and, and potentially struts around the village um, with that air of authority. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the what she does with people is just a extension of that because she's used to doing it. Um, yeah. So I, I think some of what she does is, is definitely a point scoring sort of, <laughs> I, I know better. <laughs> but, I, but I think that generally she is just performing the job that she thinks is what she does. She's the mother hen. She protects them. In this case, it's like, right, okay, take some herbs. You'll feel better. Yeah. And, um, yeah, not really thinking of, of of anything other than that. Cool. I just wanted to, like just to catch up on that and see what you thought on that. So, uh, the boys are seeing to all the horses, and Matt he sees an alley at the end of the building, at the back end of the building, and he's like, "Let's have a quick look," you know, because that seems sensible. Um, <laughs> he see he he appears back very quickly, saying there's nothing there, but. Um, he does shoot a few looks back that way, and you're you're thinking, does he see something in the alley? Um, you know, and you obviously were questioning. There's something here that keeps the Trollocs from following them. So what is that? Um, and is there something that's this? Is there something here that's just as or even more dangerous? I couldn't read my I couldn't read the writing then. Um, so do you think he's seen something when he's hopped out the back of this building, or do you think he's just like realized suddenly he's alone out the back of a building and hopped back in, being nervous or something? I remember reading this this little bit, and this, the way the sentence was laid out was a bit confusing. It kind of made it seem like 
he ducked his head in and then very quickly pulled back as if he'd noticed something, um, which is what made me write that. Okay. Um, potentially, it was just the way I'd read it, and actually, he's looked out there, seen nothing, pulled his head back in, and carried on. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, at this stage, we are just looking after the horses, um, but Rand does notice Matt is kind of, he's got a bit of a glazed expression on the go. Um, and he calls him out and makes Matt sort of jump. Uh, and Matt says he's just thinking about the fight and what he called out. Um, and after what Moraine has told them, he feels like a dead person has spoken through him. And he does not enjoy that idea. I'm, I'm, I'm with Matt on that one. I don't think I would enjoy that idea either. Um, would you enjoy that idea? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, um, but Perrin recalls that Moraine said it was Aemon's war cry, and kind of jokes that Matt might be Aemon reborn. Um, Tom tells them, "Don't say that." Um, you know, he tells you know, people can be reborn, and they can also take a body. It's not something you talk about lightly. Um, you know, and he goes on and says, "Look, Moraine said old blood, not dead body." So, you know, and he's he's heard of people doing this, but he didn't think it would happen. It must be ancestry. Uh, and it means that Matt knows that his family lineage is, is very old. He tells him to be glad of the knowledge and to leave it at that, because most people don't know they have more than a father. Uh, which strikes a bit of a chord of Rand. So, uh, yeah. What do we think of this exchange with a little bit of uh, info and sort of exposition from Tom here? What do, what do we think? Uh, what I want to say, I think I've covered in the next little red bit. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Should I just read what I? I've yeah, there? that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I would just you know, I was uh, I thought I'd just ask you there because the rest is kind of like oh, and he walked off. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it. So, it felt like Tom was shutting them down, shutting the conversation down. Um. And he's done it a couple of times. So he did it when they were walking before, didn't he, in uh, Bella. Mm-hmm. He kind of cut them off from talking about something he didn't think they should be speaking out loud about. Um, it still feels like he knows more than he's letting on. And this kind of sort of, not proves, but sort of suggests that even more so. Because right. he's sort of starts stay, start staying starts saying things and then sort of holds back um almost like he's just giving them the the bare minimum to to sort of quell their curiosity but not enough to scare them or make them ask more questions yeah yeah so definitely not ask more questions it feels like right okay this is a thing and okay let's go now (laughs) Uh. okay i mean that is that's basically how you summarize it yeah yeah the um you know that people ever they see English Rob that you're saying that he thinks um, or he knows that they have a tendency to lose sight of the dangers and he's just trying to keep them on track uh, so yeah okay do you think he is Aemon reborn do you think he just has ancient blood like you, you you're buying this bit from Tom I am going to say just a plain I don't know at this point. <laughs> uh, like, you know, I've, I've theorized that potentially maybe there is some sort of ancestral memory mm-hmm. that gets passed on. This is true. But really, really, I, I, don't, I don't know because it, in 10 chapters, 
perhaps we find out that the dark instilled those thoughts in his head. I, I don't know. This is true. I mean, things change in just a few chapters, so uh, who knows what happens in 10. That's a very good point. Well, we'll move on from that, and we'll, let's talk about exploring the city because you know matt thinks that's a good idea uh well you've put oh dear as a response but you know let's go exploring um (laughs) matt ducks off and the boys are like well shit we better go with him so um but they get bored very quickly like you know they're expecting to find something a lot more than just empty crumbling buildings even if they are massive and beautiful and better than anything they've ever seen and eventually they get tired of it and they're like you know what do we do next and Rand's like well let's go back and Matt's like well you know why go back all we're gonna do is sleep we can do that anytime there's gonna be treasure around here or something uh, and even Perrin's like well come on dude all we've seen is dust uh, but Matt's like no I, sorry go as soon as, as soon as he says treasure I'm just like oh no <laughs> this, was, this was the start of the old no situation like, is this when it really went oh no for you was it yeah, I just I, I think when I was reading this, my anxiety levels were through the roof. Oh dear, I, I feel like I was I was definitely having a bit of a oh crap, oh crap. Yeah, <laughs> as Jason has put in chat, a boo with that giant gem in Aladdin. You know, just eyes filled with treasure. I love it. That's that's brilliant. Um, so. <laughs> But yeah, so we're having the oh no moments and Matt is still insistent anyway. He wants to climb a tower. Uh, he tries to win them over by wondering, like, how far can we see? Um, and, and you're like, has Matt gone mad at this stage? You know, is he, is he being affected by something? Is this really his just being carefree and stupid? Like, did you fall down on the side of this question here? Or is this just a pondering? Um, like, do you think he's carefree and stupid? Do you think he's been affected by something? Right, okay. well, so... Before, when he decided that dropping barrels towards the guys was a <laughs> yes, I yeah. I was like, all right, something's made him do that. Like, no way someone would do that. Obviously, something's affected his mind. No, no, he just thought that was a good idea. So, I think he's just a little bit stupid. Okay, very stupid. <laughs> like, just a, a young man who just does things without thinking and uh, gets in trouble yeah, in the process. Impulsive. Very impulsive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We hello, impulsive Matt. Okay, that's fine. Well, you know, after talking about climbing this tower, we have suddenly another voice enter the situation, saying the towers are not safe. Rand spins around. He's holding his horde sword hilt and there is a man standing in shadows who introduces himself as Mordith or Mordeth depending on how you want to pronounce that folks you pronounce it however you want he asks them what are they doing here and tells them that he is a treasure hunter so we've got an oh dear Matt's looking for treasure and now we have a treasure hunter <sighs> what do you think of that combination I I, I just want to say oh dear like... <laughs> Ladies and gents, the chapter, the title of this chapter is Oh Dear. We've had the chapter of Nope, now we've had the chapter of Oh Dear. <laughs> I think the moment of, like, meeting someone isn't necessarily weird. Mm-hmm. But I think the bit that got me was the fact that he stood in the shadows and stayed in the shadows. Right. And it, it made me feel like, all right, this is not a, this isn't a normal person, this is something um, mm-hmm. I think initially I was thinking it was maybe some sort of spirit. Right. 
Okay. It's just very odd that there's this figure that appears in the shadow, stays in the shadow. Um, and I was like, oh, that's that's odd. Mm-hmm. Well, you've even noted here that, you know, he hasn't, he's been there a very long time and hasn't been outside in a very long time. So, you know, clearly you're picking up the, um, this is an odd person vibe that uh, is, is happening here. So, um, and you've put, if Matt was being affected by the place in some way, making him want to hunt for treasure uh, that isn't there, then maybe this man has been similarly infect, uh, affected. So, um, yeah, that was also the other possibility was that he was just a normal person who had in some way been affected and had just spent a crap ton of time desperately hunting around for treasure. So almost like this is, uh, you know, Jason and the uh, Argonauts, that might not be, I'm not up, up to date fully on my, my Greek history, but the whole, the sirens uh, tie me to the mast of the ship so I can listen to them and they'll suck you in type thing, except this is, you come to the city and suddenly the city makes you think you should just stay forever and search for treasure. Is that kind of, yeah. 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 Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Matt's very, you know, he's beaming. He's like, yes, see, I was right. There, there's got to be treasure here. So, and the man asks them for a little bit of help. And in return, they can take whatever they like. Uh, uh, Matt's like, fuck yeah, sign me up. Um, where's the contract? I'll sign at the bottom. I'm not even reading. Um, and and the other two are just like, well, okay, well, we can't ditch him, um, you know, because we're, we're decent friends. So despite the sun going down, we're going to follow. Um, and, you know, let's let's go into a creepy building and down a narrow stairway because in complete darkness, because that sounds sensible, uh, <laughs> you know, so dark, you have to feel your way along the wall and stretch out your feet to find the steps. Uh, but Mordif is, or, sorry, at this stage, Mordif. <laughs> it now has a P instead of a D, folks. I love this. Um <laughs> I swear, half the fun of recording with you is the uh, the, 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 the notes. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. Uh, okay, but yeah, he promises that there is light below. <laughs> Rand's like, there's something wrong with this dude. Like, you know, something up, but I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> yeah, what his name is. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this dude's had his name change in like the moment for going outside to inside. Like, you know. <laughs> Outside a Mordif, inside a Mordif. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we get to the bottom of this stairwell, uh, a nice large room, and there's gold and jewels and gems. And Matt basically goes full on a boo at this stage and just dives in. Uh, I mean, he's almost Scrooge McDucking it, isn't he? So, um, and it's like, what do we need to move it? What are we going to, you know, like Moraine and Lamb won't care. They'll they'll see this and dive in with us, type thing. Um, but talking about other people gets more. Now we're back to Mordif. What, dude? You know what's up? There? <laughs> He's changed again. He's definitely creepy. His name keeps changing. Uh, but Mordif gets very upset and very angry that there are others here, and especially angry when Parent mentions Tarvalon. He calls them liars because they originally mentioned Camelin. So he's got rage and, and fear filling his face, telling him that they lied to him. Um, and Perrin very carefully lays down the jewel-encrusted axe that he'd picked up and says, well, we'll come back tomorrow if you like. And then Mordif kind of stutters a bit and he's like, you know, okay, well, you know, 
I, I don't, pe- you know, kind of the vibe, but I don't want people to leave. And in this moment, Rand has his epiphany moment when he realizes what is bothering him. And Mordith has no shadow. So, you know, like you do, folks, when you've just realized something truly terrifying about the person you've decided to walk into a room at the bottom of the stairwell with, um, you shout that out. So, you know, solid one there, Rand, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> How would you react if you saw someone with no shadow, Nell? No. What what would you what would your thought process be? Uh, I'd probably poo my pants. <laughs> would you yell it out, dude? You've got no shadow. <laughs> what in case he doesn't realise? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate. By the way, not if you're sure, but like you know, how often do you look behind you when you walk? Because you've got no shadow, mate. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know how I'd react, but I feel like this guy is starting to look pretty angry and stuttering over his words. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a, a real danger that they're starting to perceive. And he's just like, oh, no shadow. And I think maybe you just your first move would be like backing away or, or trying to escape, not stood there pointing out the obvious yeah i mean uh, you know these are country farm boys so when i first read this there was a little bit of me just like well you know catchphrase say what you see type thing um it's to be expected you don't have the the worldly knowledge to be slightly subtle about you know scary dudes in basements um but yeah it's uh, it's it's an unusual one, a very unusual. So and and, and at this point, Mordif's just like, right, well, it's decided then. So he starts swelling up and filling the corner of the room that he's in. Um, he is ginormous. I assume that's meant to be giant. Ginormous. Uh, is that how you spell ginormous? I no, it's definitely not. I don't know what. Ginormous. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> when you want a really big. yeah yeah no tonic folks this is just you know like a quadruple gin in a shot glass that's how full it is um but yeah he reaches out towards them he's got a nice gaping smile everyone's dangling you know trying to get back and they're like jesus let me get me sword out and um you know the screams and mordiefs moving in the shadows um and for some reason suddenly you know he's just letting out a piercing howl, leaps forward uh, and twists into tendrils of smoke and vanishes into a crack in the wall and echoing behind him as he goes is just, they are all dead. So, um, I love what you've written here. You've put, I mean, this was obviously a stupid idea from the get-go, you know, and you're torn between if this was some sort of magical effect pulling people into Morty's trap but come on, how many bad things need to happen before they just decide to always err on the side of caution, for fuck's sake? <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you think of like, Morty's reaction at this stage? Like, he's, he, this dude's, like, just increased in size and then turned into vapor and disappeared through a wall crack. For some reason, I found this all very hard to, to sort of visualize. Okay. Um, like I think from the point where he begins to swell, I was really struggling with what was going on. Um, yeah, because it it became very quick. The the that paragraph or so was it was 
started and ended very fast. And I don't know whether I just missed, like, why he disappears, or or whether it just isn't said. Yeah, um, if I remember correctly, um, he kind of swells up in anger, and then suddenly something happens that just sort of, like, he freaks out and disappears or whatever. Um, and I can't remember exactly why he does it. Maybe he just decides he can't take the three of them on or, or something. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a little confusing, um, and it's very freaky. I got Aunt Marge from Harry Potter vibes here. Um, particularly the movie, but obviously, you know, very visual in the books of uh, Harry making her basically blow up into a balloon and then fly away into the sky. Um, that's kind of the vibes I got reading this is uh, the only thing I could visualize. It's a very weird moment. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, it still bugs me, actually, that I, I don't really understand why he, he disappeared. Because I... I... He essentially says, right, you almost die because, you know, you've lied to me and I can't, you're not going to do what I wanted you to do because of that. Um, I mean, is there anything you think the, the boys might have done to scare him off? Is there anything that... They were, all, did... they were all screaming, falls over. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rand's struggling to get his sword out, so... Um... And Oh, unless it's something to do with his sword. I suppose that's possible. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember the scene in detail now, as opposed to going from the notes. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but uh, yeah, so he disappears. We'll, we'll just uh, maybe we'll come back to that at some point. Um, but yeah, it, it's a freaky moment. Um, the boys should be erring on the side of caution, but you know they don't. Uh, parents like let's just let's get out of dodge. Like let's disappear. And Matt's like, what about the treasure? You know. Oh, <laughs> At which point, Perrin and, and Rand are, are both just like, no, fuck off, we're not getting any treasure. Uh, and they frog march Matt out of there, which is great. The, the lights are disappearing, and it's disappearing lights that really, you know, makes Matt be like, okay, right, you've, you, you've got your point here, guys. Let's let's get out of here. Um, so they run, they tumble in the pile um, as they, they make the street, picking themselves up. They realize they can feel themselves being watched from the elongating shadows. Now, you've made a note here, and I want to dive into this because I'm curious what has caused you to write this note. So you've made the note that Matt has taken something. Yeah. Uh, what makes you think that? He, he says something, and I don't know why I didn't write it down. What a stupid move, because I refer to it quite a few times in the future. Right, do I need to... Let me track down the books for a second. Folks, we're going to... This moment won't appear in the podcast while I um, track down the book and this actual chapter. So, that's not what I wanted. Oh, you're flicking through the book now. Oh, all my covers have changed. Okay, so they recently redid the artwork um, for the e-books. Uh, oh, sorry, for the books. Uh, sorry, for the Wheel of Time books, uh, Null. And um, they got... Uh, the releases will be... Uh, you know, if you buy them now, this is what's going to be put out there, I suppose, is the, the way to write it. And all my e-books have just been changed uh, to match those new covers. So, hmm. Okay, Interesting. Um, I'll worry about that later. <laughs> Welcome, Adelorna Sadai, by the way. Uh, you're, you've reached us in a lull while we're just searching down a chapter uh, to get some detail on something because Noddle decided not to make a note on that particular moment. Um, okay. 
Oh, so here it is. You found it? So, okay. Uh, they, they've literally all just tumbled into a pile. Randon tangled himself and picked Tam's sword up from the pavement, looking around uneasily. Less than half of the sun still showed above the rooftops. Shadows reached out like dark hands, made blacker by the remaining light, nearly filling the street. He shivered. The shadows looked more like more death reaching. And then Matt says, At least we're out of it. Matt got up from the bottom of the pile, dusting himself off in, in a shaky imitation of his usual manner. And at least I. Mm -hmm. And then it just continues after that, um, as if he hasn't said anything. Yeah. At least I. Yeah, at least I won't. And parents kind of talked over and they said, are we? Um, as if to say, right, at least we're okay now. So or at least we're out of it. Are we? He's, he's spoken over him. We've also had a point put into uh, a, a sort of a clip from uh, Jason has put in chat there. And Emmeline saying chapter two seven, uh, page 275, which um, is different for me because for some reason my books are working differently. But um, yeah, it's the bit that Jason's put in... Um, Matt peered around the side of the treasure pile, clutching a dagger snatched from the trove. So, um, yeah, that's kind of probably the two moments there that indicate he's stolen something. But I'm glad that you've picked up on the what he's saying thing as opposed to just assuming he's kept that dagger. That's quite interesting. Because um, I didn't pick up on this instantly when I first read it, I don't think. It just... I, it obviously screamed out to me when I read it because obviously he, he's already acted as if he um, you know he really wants to take some treasure they have to force him out of that room before he sort of gathers his wits and goes oh yeah maybe we should escape and mm -hmm. then he says that and just like oh my god what's going on yeah like just I, I already was feeling like why on earth would you touch anything the others have, have clocked onto the fact that perhaps it is not wise to take anything. Mm -hmm. And yet he is so enraptured by the thought, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. Would you like to hazard any form of prediction about any form of consequence of this? Like, I, I don't know. Like, he's you're, you're saying that this is kind of significant, that he's taken something. What might be a possible? What what are the effects or what consequences of this are you envisioning right now? With the knowledge I have for the conversation, I have when they get back to the place, or uh, yeah, that's fine um, because that I mean that's in this chapter anyway. So, but you know, even if it's information you've got up to the chapters you've read to, uh, well, I don't. It doesn't come back really. After, no, I don't think. I don't think it comes back after the now either. The, so we learn, obviously, that uh, he's trying to escape and be able to walk free, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things is taking something out of the city. Right. Um, oh, yeah, but it's not, it's, that's not the whole bag, is it? It's about leaving the city with somebody so that he can, or it can take over. Oh, well, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, other than potentially this being some sort of cursed item. Okay. Um, so initially you were thinking just the, you know, more death get I, to the edge of the city sort of impact, but we're now thinking cursed instead. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I'd sort of forgotten the fact that he, he wants accompanying outside the city so that he can take over the body of a person mm -hmm. and thus be free to cause chaos upon the world. Okay. Um, but that's not, in theory, what's happening here. What's happening here is an object of his is being taken out of the city. Yes. So that wouldn't, in theory, be the wouldn't allow Mordeth to take over somebody because he's not accompanying them out. Um, but because of the the way it's written, it leads me to believe there is something significant. So the only other thing I can think is perhaps it's not... If it is the dagger, or, or whatever it is, it's not uh, a... It's a cursed item or something bad. You know, the, the object is not as simple as a normal object. It's something that is going to bring misfortune okay cool um, well, I'm... it's hard work to get my brain around <laughs> that's okay i'm gonna put that in the um i'm gonna put that as a prediction at the end of the chapter so uh the the dagger is going to curse matt in some way is that a, is that how we're summarizing that yeah okay yeah, why not cool well i you know it, you've decided not it's not taking more leaf out because he's not gone with them so we'll go on the curse side fair enough uh, they're heading back. Um, we need, to, you know, Rand's like, let's stick to the middle of the road, avoid shadows. Uh, let's get back very, very quickly. Um, they've got eyes on them all the way back, and they're basically running by the time they get back to the building. Uh, they tumble through the front door, basically falling on themselves, and everyone's there except Lan, uh, who has disappeared out looking for them. And you can quite clearly tell there's a lot of worry on the go, but relief as they fall through the door, quickly mixed with a bit of annoyance. Directed mostly by Nynaeve at that stage, who tells them they are stupid, much like you called them null. And <laughs> Moraine, now seeming a little less weary, does move toward them. Um, and they're all basically, you know, talking over each other, trying to be like, this happened, but it's it's very disjointed. Um, you know, they're, they're all very worried. But Moraine seems very calm until they mention the name Mordith. Um, so, and, and she's like, you know, are you sure that's the name? Like, you know... Yeah, she says, are you sure it's not more peeth? <laughs> a queen, a queen, come, come check. Uh, late, take this, take this verbatim. Was it more deef or more peeth? Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, did, did he touch them, give them anything or take any, or, or did they take anything for him? And you're like, well, you're pretty sure Matt took something. So, but they deny it. And Perrin telling her, um, isn't the attempt to kill them enough? Uh, and then Matt, for the second time, tries to blame Moraine for saying it was, quote, safe. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the more piece. Um, <laughs> oh, so we get we get a brief history of the city. Uh, from Moraine. Yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole detail. Um, but basically, it was one of the great cities, one of the Ten Nations. And this guy turns up during the Trollic Wars and says, hey, you should do this and you should do that. He gets the king's ear. Um, and, you know, it becomes quite a you know a dark place, very hardened, and, and starts basically using the, the traits of the shadow against the shadow and becomes quite a dark, evil place itself. Um you know, and, and in the end kind of just sort of, you know, collapses in itself and destroys itself type thing. And Mordith was the only one left. Um, people called it Aaron Hall and Shadow Logoth instead. Um, 
you know, the place where the shadow waits or shadows waiting is the translation for that. Um, and she then says, if, if he convinces someone to lead him past the gates, he will take their body and escape. Um, and I'm pretty sure that includes taking something with them as opposed to just, you know, walking out with a person, I don't know, like next to each other type thing. But, uh, oh, it yeah. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, chat, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a case of like, you have to help him take something out of the city. And then he, oh, so he, it's the action of actually removing something re, from the city. Yeah, an, ac an action of removing something from the city with Mordith, and then Mordith can then uh, assume your body uh, and escape because of that process. Um, but uh, chat or people listening, uh, when this is released, if I'm incorrect there, please feel free to correct us. Um, but yeah, as you put it, you're not, not sure how important the law will be to remember, but you're quite glad you get a bit of explanation about what's going on. So... Um, which is nice. A bit of exposition there, uh, which I hopefully hope didn't leave you with too many extra questions. So, um, but Moraine does, the, you know, I think she probably had already done this, but she sets wards around the bolt hole uh, that stops the evil in the city uh, from getting too close. Uh, and so long as they take nothing, touch nothing. Um, and you put, again, I'm sure Matt has something. <laughs> his half-finished sentence seems to suggest it. Um, then they'll be okay. Nanive raises concerns about Lan. Uh, you know, it's very dark outside now. He's been looking for the boys for quite some time. But Moraine's not worried. He's just like, you know, he's he's been pledged to fight the Dark One since birth. A sword in a baby's hand in a cradle. So, you know, he's probably going to be okay. Um, and you've got some notes about um, your thoughts on Lan here, don't you, about how he's pledged to fight the Dark One? Yeah, so when she says um, he was pledged since birth, a sword in the baby's hand in the cradle, I had flashes back to Min's sort of, uh, it's not prediction, is it? But sort of sight. Mm -hmm. um, Her visions. And that was one of, yeah, that was one of the things that she had seen around land, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, that's a, a nice little bit of, of info there about uh, Lan that he's basically pledged to fight the dark since you know he was a Baba. Um, so you put as you put that's not to do with Rands. Uh, sometimes they're specific to the person that they appeared above. Yeah, I, it just made me think as well of is that something that warders are all uh, all warders sort of have happened to them? Are they all? You mean pledged uh, to the dark or have things appear above the head? No, no, a pledge to to serve the light or oh. to serve an Isidai from birth. Are they sort of given? Right. Okay. I see. I see. So, are they like a, 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 a order of servants that are warrior servants that you know pledge to yeah, protect Isidai? Okay. To to serve in that way. Do you care to make a yes or no on that? No, I do not. <laughs> It's an interesting thought process. We'll put a pin in that and see if it comes, uh, wh whether you should be leaning left or right on that one. So, um, It reminds yeah. me of, well, it doesn't, I guess it predates, but The Witcher is, is very similar in a way. I am not fully up to date with Witcher lore and I've watched the TV series once um, because my ex was obsessed with it, um, having played the computer games. Games, I think there's multiple. There's magazines or something or books or something, isn't there? 
Uh, Sorry, folks. I, I, My nerdiness is letting me down on that particular part. Sorry. It, it, it basically just refers to the fact that the, the rich is the lore, I believe, and I may be wrong on this because I've, I've played the games, but I'm not a super nerd, unfortunately, um, is that they are sort of taken when they're very young and they go through a trial of, of sorts to right. become witches. He does. I do remember him saying, uh, Henry Cavill in the show, saying that uh, he'd been taken at birth uh, to, to for training or, or whatever type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. In the way that The Witcher is like that, yeah, that makes sense. So, all right. Well, uh, Moraine does point out that they are linked. So she would know the minute of his death as well as he would know hers if either one of them had died. So... A um, little bit of information about their connection there, that they're linked in a way that they would know, um, the, you know if the other one had died. Um, so quite a strong connection, I think, that implies there. Yeah. It's time for bed now, folks, um, even if it is very fitful sleep. Uh, and we, we get up with the lights. Um, you know, Lan is still not there, but the others are still asleep. Uh, Ran's the one who's gotten up. He has some wood to the fire, lies back down, and then suddenly Lan appears, waking Moraine. Um, and Lan opens his hand before her, and three red patches fall. He tells her Trollocs are in the city. More will be here within the hour, and Davul are the worse. Um, I think I've said that correctly. That's one of the Trolloc bands. So, um, <laughs> I've just read your next statement, actually. What are Davul? <laughs> Yes. So do you remember the beginning uh, when Rand was searching down Moraine to heal Tam and then Lan was there yeah. just like counting out badges or things like that sort of thing? Um, he was, yeah. 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 Duvall, it, he was counting out the different. Um, so they're all like uh, societies of Trollocs, I suppose you might say, um, different groupings. Um, and I don't know if it's no one's. Uh, sort of yeah tribes is a good word thank you jason in chat different tribes we don't know if it's like all family tribes or just hey i've decided to be this person or that person um you know like you'd pick up i don't know hogwarts house or something for example um but yeah this is one of the bands and uh, you know he's saying that's that's the worst one uh so yeah i've answered that question for you there without even realizing it um, uh, yeah okay so like yeah like tribes and Davol, or however you pronounce it, are a particularly violent and nasty yeah. tribe. Yeah, uh, that's okay. that's the vibe is what he's saying there. Um, and you're asking, why do the Halfman and Merdral have, or Mifendral, you've actually right, Mifendral that occasion, Let's say, I love that. Or why do the Halfman and Mifendral have problems controlling them? Um, you know, what, what about the city scares them? Um, have you got any thoughts on what about that terrifies them or, or why they're having troubles? Uh, Hazardin sort of a guess at my my thoughts. I guess is um, the fact that this is a a obviously evil place, and the evil is not something they know or are in control of. Okay, so almost like we would be scared of evil things. This because it's such a different type of evil is the same as a regular person being scared of reg quote regular evil. Yeah, yeah, like it. You know, these are not pleasant creatures and but they're going in they're moving through somewhere that is uh an uncontrollable evil that they don't have on their side so of course they're going to be scared of it because it's it's not something they can use cool yeah i, I see what you're saying there yeah that's fair um 
he does land carries on after this and says that they are searching for them but they're basically just kind of like passing through to say that like you you know we've, we've been there and checked boss um <laughs> but he's he's concerned what might have forced the murderer to then force the trollocs into the city with them so what's behind the murderer uh and he wouldn't be concerned about them being found if it weren't for the fact that they're all on a direct course to find them in their current place um so at this point Egwene's like what is forcing the murder in like is it the dark one uh, to which Nynaeve snaps the reply don't be a fool girl the dark one is bound in Shao Ghul by the creator so and, and you've got a question here what is Shao Ghul so um yeah I'm not gonna tell you yeah. <laughs> all I can Bye. tell you is that is where the dark one is bound <laughs> So on a, a uh, sort of trying to understand how the world what works, there is a place, whether it is on this world or sort of in a another realm or, you know, a hell or whatever, that the Dark One has been bound, but his forces still walk the earth trying to um, take it over. Mm-hmm. Or do his bidding, I guess. As quite rightly pointed out in chat, it's on the map. Oh, you, you mean I look at things and use my brain? Yeah, you got to look Come at on. the... It doesn't tell you anything about it, but, you know, if you look at the top right-hand corner of the map, you might see it. Oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, yeah. mountains of doom. Mm-hmm. Doom. Doom, yes, there's a H in there, doom. Um, so you've put down, is it like hell? <clears throat> now, granted that it is sitting in the blasted lands behind the mountains of Dehum, uh within the Blight. I think that's probably an apt description. The Blight doesn't sound like a fun place, does it? Well, none of those names sound particularly fun, do they? <laughs> no. So, <laughs> we, I like you've, you've decided it's like hell. We're going to stick with that for the moment. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll eventually find out. So, but... You know, we're being chased here, like they're on their way to find us. So, you know, the important thing right now is let's get going. And this causes a bit of panic, um, you know, because, hey, we've got some wards causing, you know, keeping us safe here. But, you know, it finally is brought into everyone. You don't really have a choice. So they wonder if, you know, when they get to the other side of the city and get out, are they going to find more Trollocs? And Moraine then reveals her plan. Um, you know, now rested thanks to the wisdom. So, as you point out here, she's acknowledged some help from Nynaeve and thus Nynaeve's abilities. She tells them they shall. Uh, if, she tells them if they meet more, that they will make for the river. And using similar wards as those in the place that she has now, she will hold off an attack. Uh, the backs are protected by the river, and they will either build rafts or cro- to cross over, or they will flag down a passing vessel. And once on or across the water, they will have relative safety as neither Trollocs nor Halfmen will wade much deeper than waist high. And if the merger will press them on, half will flee and the rest very very well may drown. Uh, So with that in place, Nan's like, get the horses. It's time to go. So your thoughts on chapter 19. Um, I can't remember what we called this. The chapter of Oh Dear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So your initial thought is uh, it's a very, it's an obvious place of power and danger, and you are gobsmacked that the boys thought a walk was wise. Um, After seeing that photo, oh that that piece of art, even more so, this point is important. 
Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> without being chased by Trollocs, without having your life in danger for the past week or whatever it was, past couple of weeks, who walks into that city and thinks, hmm, I want to explore? <laughs> <laughs> folks as i've said if you've not seen the artwork just let me know and i'll send you a copy because even the basic artwork which doesn't look you know like a real like a photo of a real place um still looks fucking scary so <laughs> um yeah it is uh yeah it's wanting this arrest is probably what we would have expected and they decided to get for a walk so yeah it's it's a very interesting thought there um i i want to dive in on to your second point um a little bit uh kind of like we've already dabbled in the third point which is matt's got something and you think this is going to be cursed um uh you've put are we going to have more trouble in chapter 20 than the chasing shadows and trollocs if he takes something out of Shadow Logoth, will that release more death? So having had this conversation, now we're further along. You're on chapter 22 now, correct? Uh, 23. 23, sorry. So we know that leaving the city won't release more death with whatever you think that uh, Matt has taken with him. But, it, you know, it's it's very much the cursed item is, the, is kind of the vibe we've gone for. Um I want to dive into this curse piece, you know, like what sort of curse? Are we talking like, you know, the mummy here and he's going to be chased down and, and absorbed at some point or, um, you know, he's going to get, I don't know, cursed with boils and pimples the rest of life, bad luck with women. Um, I don't know, like what sort of like, make some predictions here. I'm going to push you for a prediction of this cursed vibe that you've decided to go on. If I was writing this story, it wouldn't be something as simple as that. Okay. I think it will be interesting to see if, if it is a dagger. Because mm-hmm. obviously, as of yet, I, I, we don't know. Um, but if it was a dagger, I'd be interested to see if he tries to use it, what happens. Okay. Because the way, the way I would write that would be the moment he attempts to use it to attack he is bound to something okay um, bound to the item well the, the city yeah to the shadow yeah, but I, I guess bound to the item but by proxy bound to something dark okay cool yeah i, I like digging in on the i like digging in on the predictions that's why i'm asking you all these questions sorry <laughs> yeah that's, that's the way i would go if i was writing it that you know if if he's stolen something from this place of of undeniable darkness um and it hasn't done anything at the moment he's left it leads me to believe that it's something that potentially would have to be used or or maybe howled or you know mm-hmm. it, it has to be used in a way and then that would cause an effect okay so just carrying it is is minimal risk i suppose is the way to describe that well and then, well, I assume he's stuffed it in his pocket, hasn't he? So it's 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 not being worn in. If it was a necklace, it's not around his neck. If it's a uh, a dagger, it's not being held and used <laughs> in the way it's intended. Okay, so uh, whatever the item is, it needs to be used in the appropriate way for that item. Be that a wearable, a usable item, a I don't know, 
I can't think of any other form of something small you could throw in your pocket that um, would fit in the, it wouldn't fit in those two descriptions anyway. So it has to be like used in its intended manner before the effect becomes effective. Great English there. Yeah. Um, okay, great, cool. Um, we've kind of crossed some of the other points. So like, um, you know, what a Davol, uh, the, the Trollocs, the band there. Um, will the Trollocs, Halfman, Merger and stuff lose numbers to Mordef's Twisted Darkness? Now, I know you've read ahead, but that's a great oh. question, Nisley. So before you read chapter 20 um, and, and sort of like, got the escape from Shadow Logoth sort of information. Did you think, you know, that something was going to happen to Trollocs? Was like, which way did you lean? Was this like a possible thought for you or, or how are they going to come out with like half the numbers type situation? I, I think it was more of a possible thing because I wasn't, certainly at this point, you're not really aware of what the city holds, are you? You know, mm-hmm. there's this this seeming person yes. that, uh, you know, is a bit weird and... Uh, that's about it. Um, I guess I was I was sort of contemplating whether, well, what's in store for them and how does that affect everything? So, you know, if they're being chased through. Yeah. What creepiness is going to happen? Cool, cool. Um, so, yes, we've got that. And then... Just the last one about that. Uh, so the point, the second point was Matt influenced by something from the moment they entered Maldives Twisted Grass, for example. And if so, what does this mean for his constitution in general, or is he just generally more willing to ignore danger? Where are you falling on that? Like I know we said that he's uh, doesn't think and just kind of like he's impulsive and stuff. Is that are, are we sticking that he's just impulsive and does not think before he does anything, or? Do you think there was like this was ramped up to eleven because he was in Shadow Logoth? It's it, it is interesting because I think looking back at sort of what we've learned, even from from the very beginning in Edmund's Field and how it talked about Rand's friends and how Matt always had something up his sleeve and wanted to go and do X, Y, and Z um, that usually involved some sort of pranks he is someone that is definitely a risk taker without sort to, to what the effects are. Cool. But um, as I said before, I think it's very strange that you would go into a place this dark and this ominous and immediately want to go and explore. <laughs> so it, I, I'm struggling to cement my thoughts on it because it, it, it's not out of character for him to want to do something stupid, but it it seems past that point. Seems a bit more more stupid than you would even give him credit for type thing, is that what you're saying then? Yeah, yeah. I, see, I don't know whether stupid is really the most... Yeah, I've got to... Now that I keep saying, yeah, I think, yeah, impulsive is the, the better word. Um, well, I've used it quite a few times, but I don't necessarily think it's stupid. Like I'm, I'm a very cautious person. I think generally, mm-hmm. I would. And so I'm viewing it from the point of view of, of, oh, I wouldn't do anything. Um, he's more of a risk taker, isn't he? Yes, uh, he's been put in chat mischievous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he like his version of fun is to to do things that are a bit silly and you know to explore, and he probably has a 
uh, a vast network of experiences based on that, which is <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, and then the last one I want to finish it on is your thoughts about Moraine and Nynaeve. So you've put here that you think that we are beginning to see a softening of the weariness between Moraine and Nynaeve. Will it continue, and will they become friends? So, because we've had this interaction of like, here, have some herbs and Moraine acknowledging that sort of thing. Like, do you see a friendship forming out of this? Do you feel that there is something or is this just a, in the moment, I'm too tired to say, fuck off with your herbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I I don't know whether it's wishful thinking, but I really think that they will, um, they will, I don't know whether friends is the right term, but they will start to work together. Okay. I honestly do. Obviously, I, I've read a little bit more, and, and you know, there's more interaction and more explanation of potentially why there is there, there is a little bit of a rift between them. Mm-hmm. But I think the more time... I, I, I think Nynaeve's uh, dislike of her is based on the assumption that I said I are bad. And right. this this fear of them, and I think Moraine's sort of. Um, she, I don't think she particularly dislikes her. I don't think she acts like that. She's sort of a, maybe slightly impatient with her. Okay. But I think that's potentially because she sees Nynaeve's mother hen attitude. Mm-hmm. So I think probably most of the the uh, what's the word. Uh, Oh, God, it's it's proper escape me. Like uh, the animosity. Yes, is 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 Nynaeve's doing? Okay, like, she feels maybe like she's um, her abilities are in question. Okay, All right. So I'm 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 going to write down a, a prediction, a couple of predictions here from these recordings. So, firstly, prediction one. Um, Matt's object, I'm just going to put object, that seems the best word to use, um, will lead to uh, a curse of some kind. Is, is, uh, is that accurate yeah. way to write that? Like, how, how should I word that? Yeah. Or, or, or Matt, Matt has a cursed item? Yeah, why not? Okay. I, my brain's saying, no, no, don't cement that idea. Sit on the fence. Well, I'm, I'm making you pick one. So Matt's stolen object is cursed. That's how I'm going to write that. So Matt's stolen object is cursed. Uh, And then uh, Moraine and Nynaeve, if you can hear me typing, folks, that's because I'm actually typing, um, uh, will become friends. How good are friends? Like, are we talking potentially bosom buddies, you know, distant colleagues, uh, go for a pint once a week, uh, you know? I think they will... uh, I think they will gain a respect for each other that is is not just sort of um so less of this cold i think it'll be it will become warmer i don't necessarily th- think friends like oh yeah best friends okay or, like so travel around but there's going to become a a point where they treat each other with respect for the abilities that they have okay so uh we'll become respectful colleagues yeah why not okay and then I'm going to bracket friends. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a dick like that. Um, <laughs> all right. So predictions are in. 
Lovely. All right. Well, uh, I think we should cut it there. We've been recording for a good couple of hours now. Um, obviously, when I cut that down, it'd be a little less. But um, yeah, I think we've 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 nailed two chapters there, and you're on chapter twenty three now, aren't you, Noel? So uh, we've got a couple more chapters to catch up on. Uh, am I right? You're on chapter twenty three now. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've finished twenty three. You finished twenty three. Yeah, I just haven't started twenty five yet. Okay. And that's cool. So we'll try to arrange another recording soon and get that out for you folks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Uh, if you'd like to share your thoughts, you can hit me up, talks at gmail.com. You can tweet me, which is now at talks because I learned today that you can change your handle as long as it's not been taken by someone else and not just your name. Uh, so I've now changed it to at talks. It's not at R. Um, so if you're, <laughs> yeah, if you've listened previously and tried to find me, uh, you won't have found me, but suddenly you'd be like, oh, I've got to this episode. Now I can find him. Yes. Just it's Malkia Talks. Uh, yeah, you can tweet. You can tweet null if you want at null underscore vol, avoid uh, English word, English word, Rob, come on at null underscore void. Um, yeah, he's on Twitter. You can, he's one of my friends or one of the people I follow on Twitter if you can't find him. And his um, Twitter is in the show notes as well. So feel free to follow him on Twitter. Um, he tweets sporadically and they're always gems when they do appear. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's good fun. What was it we said? I was listening to recording when I was sorting out and um, you have a perfect social media management because you're like, you open the app, you just scroll as fast as possible to the bottom and then you close the app without looking. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and yes, Emily, that is why this section is called the void because null and void is um, null's Twitter handle. So uh, yeah, this is the void. Um, this is Null's personal section of my Discord server that we're l- recording live in. And um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we've had a few people in here. So Norm stopped by. Um, uh, that was great to see him. Jason stopped by. Unfortunately, had to go. A dentist appointment. Hope that went well, mate. And Lorna Sadai, thank you for stopping by. And Emmeline, thank you for stopping by as well. It's been great to have you all here. Um, yeah, if you want to join us, it's very sporadic when we record. I try and give a bit of notice when we're doing it. Um, but yeah, we just sit in here because, you know, we do this infrequently. It's not the main focus of the podcast, but it's a good bit of fun. And, um, you know, eventually you will see Null because Null is, uh, we're, we're going to review the TV show when it comes out. Although perhaps we'll do a practice run and review the trailer when that appears. How do you feel about that, Null? I've sprung that one on you instantly here. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. I mean, you won't have finished the book by the time the trailer comes out. Uh, well, the show comes out in November. Um, so the trailer we're kind of expecting in September. So can you finish the book in a month? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost halfway. You're not far off halfway. So keep going, keep going, keep going. Lots of tram journeys. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, but when we review them, I'm going to, I'm going to record that as a, as a, as a visual medium, as opposed to a, uh, audio medium. So, uh, you will see null eventually. Uh, but yeah, that, that in the discord server, the, the void section is purely for the the null part of the podcast um so you can always put in here discussions and if you're listening to us live there's uh, one that null can see for chats and one that null can't even if he chooses to multitask and see them both uh but yeah if uh, i hope you've enjoyed it folks uh, as i say you can follow me on youtube I, there's a malke talk channel there cooking narrations and soon to be uh null reacts uh i don't know maybe null reacts 
I think Null Reacts is a fun title for that. We'll figure something out for that. Um, but yeah, so you can come check me out on, on YouTube. And if you want to support the show, uh, as Null has put in his uh, notes before, uh, for Chapter 16 specifically, but it's been mentioned a few times, you can support the channel by joining my Patreon. Um, you know, there's a good good few members in the family now and uh, multiple levels that you can join at uh, from anywhere just a dollar a month up to, you know, stupid amounts because, you know, who knows. And uh, lots of different benefits up for grabs, listens, early content, merch direct contact with me all sorts of crazy things uh and if you just want to listen and love and review and and throw down those five star ratings uh, you know i'd love that too and i'm sure Noel would love that as well well thank you for joining us i know you're on uh holiday at the moment so um i know you're not doing a huge amount but uh, you know i'm taking away from your relaxation time so i appreciate you joining me today oh it's a pleasure good and until next time listeners may you always find water and shade yeah.